Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. This is Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here as we dive into podcast 296. We're going to learn how being a little too nice, maybe a little too sympathetic, can hurt the persuasion process. Spent my time this week in San Francisco doing a two-day seminar on negotiation and winning and understanding those dirty, dark psychological tricks and not using them, but being aware for those and detecting deception and learning that persuasion is much different than negotiation. The rule always being, and I'm going to say this time and time again, you need to persuade first, negotiate second. Because with persuasion, you bring someone up to your point of view. Negotiation is more of the give-take Give, take, and you meet somewhere in the middle. And they're different tools. Now, when you have two persuaders, two lawyers, a divorce situation, two countries coming together, you're probably getting negotiation. Now, hopefully some of the topics or issues you can persuade them to your point of view, and some you might have to negotiate and meet more in the middle. Make sure it's a win-win. And here's the big piece. Win-win does not mean equal splits. 10% 10% of the pie could be a win-win. And too many people get stuck on, oh, win-win, equal-equal. It's not equal splits. And so, had a great seminar. Shout out to San Francisco. And I will apologize. Last time I went to San Francisco, I was a little negative with all the drugs and filth and homelessness and meanness. But hey, I had a pretty good trip this time. was in a different spot. Maybe that helped. But a shout out to the people in San Francisco. Had a good seminar there. Let's jump into it with our Homer, our persuasion blunder. Go. Don't, don't, don't. And this one goes to the Paris airport. You know, I was just out in Cairo and Egypt, the top part of Africa, and went through Paris. That was the quickest way. And they routed us through all the stores. You know where they're selling the perfumes and the alcohol and the cigarettes and the candy and You could not not get to the next terminal without going through this thing, which on one hand is kind of a ninja, right? That's good. More time people get in the store, more people are going to buy. They're going to see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, whatever you need to do. So that's a ninja. The blunder being the perfume people were spraying everybody, everything, and it smelled so bad. I almost got an instant headache. And I'm kind of sensitive to those types of smells, but I did get an instant headache And I couldn't get out of there fast enough. So on one hand, the smell and perfume cologne can attract people. On one hand, perfume cologne does rate you a little more attractive or handsome in a nightclub situation. But here you took a good thing, way too much of a good thing, and it backfired. And that will be our Homer of the Week. With that being said, let's get to our geeky article of the week. Go. This comes from Washington State University, the Journal of Personal and Social Psychology and Science Daily, that people really don't like unselfish colleagues. People just sometimes don't like people that are that nice. And it caught my attention. I started to read it. And they talked about those people who, you know, always volunteer for every task. And and they 
take on all those annoying projects that nobody wants and the details that nobody wants to deal with? Well, the research finds out nobody can stand these people. Now, you would think they would like them. They're making their job easier, their load easier, but something's going on here. And so they did four separate studies led by Washington State University. And they found that unselfish colleagues come to be resented because they raised the bar for what is expected of everyone else. And as a result, workers feel like there's a new standard that will make everyone else look bad. And the studies show that it didn't matter that what they were doing, what they were offering, what they volunteered to do was helping the overall welfare of the group or made the task they were working on easier by their unselfish behavior But these do-gooders, as they called them, were seen as deviant, as rule-breakers, as if they were giving away Monopoly money so someone could stay in the game, making the other players mad. I think some of you know what I'm talking about. So these studies gave participants, these college students, these points. They had all these points that they could keep or give away, and then they could use them as a reward for meal service vouchers. They were told that if they gave up points, it would help the group of getting this reward. Now, the reality was there were fake groups, or confederates as they call them, and one of these groups would make lopsided exchanges. Some were being greedy, giving up no points at all, and taking lots of vouchers. And some of these confederates were unselfish, giving up a lot of points and taking very few vouchers. So being nice and unselfish. That's what your mom told you to do, right? (laughs) So most participants later said they would not want to work with the greedy colleague again. Well, duh, that's an expected result. But the majority of the participants said they would not want to work with the unselfish people. (laughs) This is what they heard. The person is making me look bad or is breaking the rules, or they would feel like this person has some other ulterior motives. So be careful. You can be too nice, too unselfish. Try to help out, take one for the team, but be careful. It could go against that social norm. Too good to be true. Wait a minute, you're making me look bad. And I'm assuming they feel bad that they didn't volunteer, that they felt that they should volunteer, but they didn't. And you did. Now, all of a sudden, the group doesn't like you. So tread carefully on this one. Interesting study. Again, Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Talking about you could be too unselfish, too nice, And that can come back to haunt you and hurt the persuasion process. So let's continue with that theme, how being nice hurts persuasion. It's good to be nice. That's a great people skill to have, to be nice, to have good manners, to show respect. But sometimes it's just a little too nice. And you've worked with those people. You've tried to persuade those people. Or it's just rubbing you the wrong way. It's like, you know, like real people can't be that nice. Something's up. Something's wrong. They have some motives that I don't know about. I need to be careful. In reality, they could be that nice. (laughs) But sometimes a little too much of something that's good, just like the perfume, can backfire. So I want to give you a few more of those that can set you back. When I was doing research for laws of charisma, one of the traits of a charismatic person is optimism. Optimism does increase your charisma. It makes it easier people to persuade But the challenge is some people are so optimistic you want to hit them because they're not being realistic. They're not looking at setbacks or challenges or the rules. They're just always happy. They're always optimistic. It's always going to work out. And that can be a challenge. I want you to be optimistic, but you still have to look around the corners and know 
that there will be some challenges. There'll be some bumps in the roads. And if you don't look at that and people see you just always optimistic, it's always going to work out. Hey, my arm got severed. I'm still happy. Life is still good. All right. That's probably not a very good example. That type of thing can drive people nuts, especially if they're more in the pessimism world. A little too much optimism can hurt your ability to persuade and influence. And with that, sometimes being too happy, right? I know in high school, this girl came up to me and says, I don't like you. I'm like, whoa, really? Why not? She says, you smile too much. So that could be one, smiling too much, having a creepy smile, a smile that seems forced or way too long. Or if you're just too happy too much to the people that aren't happy, it's not fair that you're happy and they're not. That could be something that could repel them. Now, when you look at pessimism or not smiling or not being happy, I don't want you to be that way, but what I would want you to do is kind of mirror their energy, mirror their pessimism just a little bit as you get started in the persuasion process. Mirror their anger, their unhappiness just a little bit. Make the connection. I want you to slowly build up, build their vision. Because if they can't see themselves doing it, they're not going to do what you're asking them to do. Build up their optimism. Give them hope about the future that they'd accomplish what you're asking them to do. Increase their happiness with a smile and what you say, maybe even a little praise. Those type of things can help the persuasion process. But if you start way too high, being way too nice, too optimistic, too happy, that does repel a lot of people. So be careful in that arena. Next one, we love praise. We're so hungry for praise, but when it's tied to a motive and it doesn't seem like it's a win-win and you can see right through it, praise could backfire on you. I mean, we love praise. Some scientists call it ingradiation, which is a scientific term for brown-nosing or boot-licking. Got to be careful there. Gradiators in the workplace do get more raises. But it bothers everyone else, which makes them hard to persuade. But the person being ingratiated likes it. That's a person probably giving you that raise or that promotion. Be careful there. Make sure that you've identified something that's important to them, what the motive is. But if they feel it's not like a win-win and use way too much praise, that can backfire on you. In fact, they did a study with hairdressers and praise. They look at praise in the tip. They looked at no praise. One praise, woo, tips went up. Two praises, tips went up a little more. And at three, past three, it started to decline. So use it. Be careful of it. A little too much will backfire on you. That's one of those things where we love it at first, but then after a while it gets old. So careful that they don't see a different motive and that you don't use too much. So a little praise is okay, but most people start a little praise. It starts to feel good. They can see your change in the meter. They keep using it. Then it has the opposite effect. Another one that can hurt that connection, the persuasion, close to being nice, is people start off with that, what I call that gushy chit-chat before the persuasion process, before the negotiation. And a lot of personalities don't like that. I don't have time for your gushy chit-chat, to talk about my fish on the wall, to talk about my weekend and my family, get to the point. And the majority of people really don't like that. So it's okay to have that gushy chit-chat and get to know people. Be careful on when you use it. Make sure they know why you're there, that there's something in it for them, that there's some type of trust, that they know you, your industry, or they wanted to see you, or somebody else recommended you. Make sure there's some type of trust or reason to be there before you start off on the connecting, the gushy chit-chat, the being nice. These are important things, but just like that perfume in the beginning, too much of a good thing 
can backfire in the persuasion process. Oh, here's one. Humor. We love humor. We love to laugh. And we've talked about humor on the podcast. Go back to the archives and find out the podcast on humor that it really helps you connect with the audience and persuade. By the way, that's available at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's where you can find everything from the coaching to InfluenceUniversity.com to the archives to taking your Persuasion IQ test to get the latest edition of the free book, Maximize Your Influence. There's our commercial. So humor, when does it repel people? When does it hurt the persuasion process? Well, you've seen it. It's not funny. I was just dumb. Now, the hard thing is the persuader heard it and laughed themselves, but you have to remember, humor is in the delivery. So practice your humor. Another complaint, it's just inappropriate. And people are so sensitive now with being politically correct, and they're looking for ways where it's offensive or, you know, fill in the blank there. So make sure it's appropriate. You've tested out. I know as I travel around the world, do different trainings, I got to be careful. I got to test my humor. What rocks in New York City offends in Dubai. What rocks in Qatar doesn't work in Italy. So it's just how we are. And a lot of cultures have different types of humor that just, they don't get it sometimes. No right or wrong, we're just different. And another complaint with humor is just wasn't relevant. It's got to be part of your presentation or your topic or what you're talking about, just out of the blue. I mean, it's funny, but what's that got to do with anything can take their brain off course and take away your connection and hurt that persuasion process. A couple more. This definitely hurts the connection. And the opposite of being nice is bruising their esteem to make yourself look better. To try to connect. To try to be nice. To have something to talk about. You're like, Kurt, what are you talking about here? Well, they have a funny story. You have a funnier story. They caught a big fish. You caught a bigger fish. You want a big game. They want a bigger game. Your son or daughter won an award. Their son or daughter also won an award or a bigger award. You see what we're doing here? We just naturally, in the connection process, trying to be nice, come up with a story. But their story is better than your story. And that does bruise the ego, hurts the esteem, and can be a problem in the persuasion process. And you don't come across as nice. Even though you're just talking about it, we just kind of naturally want to tell a better story, a better joke. And it hurts the esteem. In the United States, the first President Bush said something really interesting when he was no longer in office. When I was president, I never lost at golf. What? That makes no sense, but it's the same thing. If you win the game, have a better story, a better joke, a better idea, a better child, a better anything, you're just making conversation, but you've actually bruised the esteem, which hurts a relationship, and impede your ability to persuade and influence. Here's one if you're a Seinfeld fan, and you probably know that I am, the close talker. <laughs> they're being nice, they're smiling, but they've invaded your space, also known as proxemics or the study of space. We have our bubble, especially when you're a stranger. And when you get in that bubble, you have made a disconnect, you are no longer nice, and you have repelled your prospect. Be careful their bubble. If they're backing up, you're too close. If you sit in their favorite chair, disconnect, you move something on their desk, those type of things, oh, well, shouldn't be an issue. They are. And be aware in this one. Every culture is different. Some cultures, there's barely any space at all. Some cultures like Germany, it's as large as 28 inches. 
And it also varies by size of the city. How close you stand to somebody on a subway in New York City is going to be very different than a farm in Nebraska. Just saying, be careful of that. What if you're too cute or too handsome? (laughs) Yes, that's a problem. Quit being so handsome and cute. You shouldn't be like that. But there's something about our attraction and how we look that, you know, you're pretty good. You're above average. You're looking good or even average. You're easier to approach. But when you're just drop-dead gorgeous or incredibly handsome, for some that's a little intimidating. It's hard to talk to you. It's hard to make that connection. And it's more difficult to persuade. Not sure why I told you that one. Uh, Fix it. Don't be so cute or handsome. But it's good to know. Or maybe it makes you feel better if you're not incredibly handsome or attractive. Just saying. Putting it out there, that's what the studies show. And this is an interesting one that could be a disconnect, is not letting them reciprocate. What do I mean? Well, law of reciprocity is one of the 12 laws of persuasion. And we went in more detail in podcast 219. Again, that's in the archives for free. That when someone gives you a compliment, you compliment back. Someone gives you some of your time, you give your time back. Someone gives you a gift, you give a gift back. And you can use it strategically in the persuasion and negotiation process. But this is what we found, that if they are always taking you out to dinner and complimenting you and helping you, and they never let you return the favor, that hurts the relationship. You have to let them return the favor. Now, this doesn't count towards your children or teenagers. For some reason, it doesn't work there. It works better with strangers. But you have to let them reciprocate. If you're doing everything, or even the people you work with, you got to let them reciprocate or it causes dissonance or damage to that relationship. And final one, careful here, touch. We've talked about this one. Touch can be the greatest connection or disconnection with people. So be very careful and just watch the person before you touch them. We do know that touch in the right places makes a connection, builds rapport, strengthens the relationship, but you got to make sure you're at the point where it's okay to touch them on the shoulder or arm or give them a hug or even shake their hand. Varies by personality, by culture, how people were raised, but that's one to be aware of because some people are really touchy-touchy-feely, especially I've seen this a lot in clothing stores, and if some people don't want to be touched, they don't want to be touched. And even though you're trying to be nice and make the connection, it's going to repel the prospect. Just saying, things you need to know. Everything you do in this process is going to attract or repel people. And this was a podcast on things that are good, but when done in excess or done the wrong way, it will repel your prospects. So be aware of what you're doing that's helping and even hurting the persuasion process. Because it can help with one person, but if you use it a little too much with another person, it's going to have the opposite reaction. One size does not fit all. Remember our motto, persuade people how they want to be persuaded. Thanks for listening today. You can find everything you need to know at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We're also on iHeart and Spotify under Maximize Your Influence. Tell your family, friends, and enemies to become a better persuader, to listen to the podcast, to be better in the world of influence and negotiation. Thanks for your comments. Please let me know how we're doing at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Appreciate all the kind emails and comments. It does make my day and helps me create the content for the podcast. With that, master these skills, don't repel people, and go out and persuade with power.